say yes, oh Lord. Let's give the Lord a clap offering of praise this morning. He is so faithful. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come and trade our burdens for victories. Hallelujah. Our sorrows for joy and peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Jesus. The God that never fails, the God that never changes, he will never fail me. Fail me now, you won't fail. 
Lord, we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you make a way for our lives, that you guide us, take us by the hand and lead us through every path, every trail. You never forsake us, but you're there guiding us, watching over us, helping us, Lord, to navigate through this life. We thank you, Lord, that boundaries cannot hinder you and borders cannot hinder you and mountains of opposition and despair cannot hinder you. For you're a faithful God that takes your people by the hand and you lead us forward day by day, watching over us, encouraging us, giving us the grace and strength that we need to do your works and fulfill your will. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, minister fresh grace to each heart that's here this morning. Let every one of us leave different than what we came. Let there be a receiving. Let there be an impartation of the working and the ministering of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please speak and touch the people of God. Impart fresh courage and fresh comfort, a new strength and a greater peace. And let the rest of the Lord come upon the minds and the emotions of the people of God. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. And we look to you for everything. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Trust the strength you have within and the chaperone you have without. Amen. Trust the Lord. Praise God. Good morning. Oh, God is so good to us. Um, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. There they go. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There we go. we try to run like that, we'd pull something, wouldn't we? Amen. Yeah, we'd have a big healing line afterwards, everybody's, everybody's sciatica will work up then, hallelujah. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, would you go to Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28? Some weeks ago we preached from the 27th chapter of Acts, anchors of assurance, and Paul was going through the storm, and now Paul's come out of the storm. 
but he shipwrecked, but he shipwrecked. Saved, but shipwrecked. The storm has passed, but now it's time to rebuild. You know, sometimes we forget that the storm is over and it's time to rebuild. <laughs> that storm was last year. This is a new year, amen? That, 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 that storm is over. In your mind, you still think, and you're, you, but it's, it's, time to, it's time to rebuild and time to restore. Acts 28, beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed all of us because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and he put it on the fire and a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Now when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this guy's got to be a murderer. For though he escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and he suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And public opinion kind of goes like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes like that. Amen. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us to his home. And he showed us generous hospitality for three days. And his father, though, was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he prayed, he placed his hands on him, and he healed him. And when this had happened, the rest of the sick came on the island, and they were cured. And they honored us in many ways, and when they were ready to sail, they, they furnished us with supplies we needed. You know, we're not going to preach on, 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 verse, on verse 8, but see how Paul placed his hands on them? One of the reasons we place hands is because that is a primary way that the Bible teaches us to pray one for another. Now we know he can heal from a distance, but one of the primary ways, you read your Bible, Jesus laid hands. That was one of the primary ways he ministered to the sick. He told his disciples, you preach it, then you lay hands, laying hands. Not only for the sick, ministry to the sick, but also ministry to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter, John, Paul, and they explained the baptism, then they laid hands and they received it. Not only healing, not only the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but when we set someone apart for ministry, the first deacons, they laid hands on them. When Paul and Barnabas were going out to their first missionary journey, they laid hands on them. So not only praying for the sick or praying for the baptism, not only setting apart for ministry, but when we bless and bestow a blessing, Jesus, when he took the children and he blessed them, he laid his hands on them. Most pray a blessing, we lay hands. So again, I just throw that out there, but sometimes people see the thing. Some people have been in the church all their lives and don't know that we typically do things because it's in the book. Amen? We, we try not to pick up too much stuff that we just make up as it sounds good or it looks good liturgically, but we try, our this wants to have a that. Amen? Well, our this, what we do here should have a that pointing to the scripture. And that's why you see us laying hands, praying one for another. But that's how the Bible instructs us and encourages us. Amen? All right, let's move on. Talk about lessons from Malta. Lessons from Malta, or five things for the Christian to remember when shipwrecked. You've endured the storm, and you've landed somewhere, but now what do I do? (laughs) See, Paul was a prisoner. He was a prisoner on the way to Rome, and he's going to stand before Caesar. And he goes through that terrible storm, but now the apostle lands on Malta, and again, he's saved but shipwrecked. He endured the storm. 
but now it's living on after the storm. Some people struggle with the living on after period. Now God promised to bring them through and he did, along with the other 270 or so that were on the ship. They had gone through a violent storm that mercilessly just drove the ship for about 14 days. The ship had no power. The storm just drove it anywhere it wanted to. Everyone except Paul had lost all hope of ever being saved. For days, the Bible says, they didn't see the sun, they didn't see the stars. It was dark and it was driven. They lost everything they had on the ship and the storm raged on and on. And then finally, when it was about to crash, you know, a Roman soldier, if you lost your prisoner, it was your life for his. So the Roman soldiers are getting ready to kill all the prisoners, including Paul, so that none of them would escape. But, of course, God had promised his servant that he would get him to Caesar. And God always keeps his promises. So they got to shore. They survived the storm. But sometimes that's only where things really begin, after the storm. Now what do I do? Where do we go from here? We braced ourselves mentally, emotionally. We went through it. We were tossed about by things beyond our control. We just prayed that we could live another day, but we did live, and now we crashed on shore, and there's some damage here, and we've taken some blows, and we've lost some things along. Now what do we do? Time to rebuild. Time to rise up. Time to run on in the name of the Lord. You see, sometimes it takes us time to realize the storm is over, and it is time. Restore your vision, revive your hope, and rebuild your life. He endured the storm, and now, again, he's he shipwrecked, saved but shipwrecked. He's alive but shaken by the events that he went through. He's off balance. He's a bit uncertain because he was thinking one thing, and this thing hit him, and now things have changed. He feels disorientated. The storm did its damage. It took its toll. But now it's time to rise up, live on, to reassess and refocus, and to continue to walk on in the will of God. Fulfilling the task that God has for your life. The enemy's trying to keep Paul from his appointed destination, from fulfilling his God ordained plan and purpose, just like he tries to do with us. And sometimes after the storm, we seem to forget everything God ever spoke before. We seem as if that changed everything God had in his heart prior. And the first lesson from Malta let us never forget when you go through the storm, after the storm, when it seems like you've landed shipwrecked on some place you didn't expect to be, crashing around you with things you didn't expect to see. Number one, never forget you have an unseen pilot. His name is Jesus and he guarantees your safety. After a storm that was so terrible, it's called what the, the of hurricane force, the, the Eurachlodon, Northeasterner. After that storm, after they were um, giving up all hope, they landed safely because the storm was not in control. Jesus was in control. There's all the waves that terrified the men, all the crashing, all the destruction, all the things they lost were not in control of their destiny. Jesus was. They had the unseen pilot. Four things I want you to recognize. Number one, storms. Storms, they come into our lives. They usually don't ask for an appointment. They usually don't say we're meeting you at 5 o'clock on Tuesday. They just hit you when you least expect it. Here I am. A knock, knock. Here we go. They come even to the righteous. That's what Jesus said in this world. You're going to have troubles, but be of good cheer. Don't let it overwhelm you. I've overcome the world. 
And if you're with me, you're going to overcome the world. How did David say it? He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not the backslider, man. They got their own problems. But even the righteous go through afflictions. But the Lord, he delivers you and I out of them all. Oh, so number one, storms will come, but they won't win if you're a child of God. But you got an unseen pilot, and he's guaranteeing your safety. The storm and then the steering, the steering. You know, back in the previous chapter about the storm, everyone had given up hope. But in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord stood by Paul and spoke the word of the Lord to Paul. And Paul relays that message the next day to the people. And Paul had some insider information. Well, everybody else was giving up hope. Paul had hope. Why? He had insider information. You and I that know the Lord and believe the B-I-B-L-E, that is the book for me. We've got insider information. Can you say amen? All the other ones can listen to Fox News and CNN and this NN and that NN. They can listen to all the bad news, all the false, every news they want. We've got good news and it's accurate and it's complete and it never changes. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word. We got some insider information. Jesus is on his throne and we are in his care. Hallelujah. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in us. And God the Almighty never sleeps or slumbers, but he watches over our lives continually, taking good care of his people. This is the steering Paul rose up and said, Listen, man, last night an angel of the God who I am and whom I serve, he spoke to me and said, Paul, do not fear. Do not be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. God's plan for you. This storm hasn't wiped it out. God's purpose for you. This storm hasn't changed God's mind. Oh, no, 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 no. And not only will you stand before Caesar, but the angel said, God has graciously given you all these men. You know, when you walk with God, you bless even the ungodly around you. When you walk with God, you bring blessing to even those that don't call on his name. So Paul went on and said, so men, keep up your courage. Because I believe and have faith that it will happen just like he said. And we can all say that. That's a model for our lives. We belong to God and we serve God and we believe God. I believe the word of God. I believe that if he's finished, he started the work in me, he'll finish the work. I believe that he is my shepherd and I don't have to want. I believe that thou, O Lord, art a shield all around me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. You're the one that holds me in the palm of your head. I believe, thus saith the Lord. Come on, say amen. The steering, the steering, the steering. So men don't fear. Child of God, don't fear. This storm isn't steering the ship. Our circumstances are not controlling our conclusion. In the storm, don't forget who's still sovereign and who's still steering. His name is Jesus. Never forget when you feel like things are out of control or you're just being driven along. You ever feel that? Sometimes hell can hit you and you don't feel like, I mean, you know, you got to hold yourself. You feel just like you're being driven along. You might feel that way, but that is not true. For you're a child of God and your life has an unseen pilot. You've been bought with a price and you are God's cherished possession. And he holds your life in the palm of his hand. And that hand, not circumstances, not society, not pressure, but that hand guides and steers and shields your life forever and forever and forever. Can you say amen? 
I love the words of Moses when he was um, encouraging the people of God and telling them how God is our helper and God is our protector and God is our guide. And God, he said it, look, if you would, here it is, Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27. I love this verse. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath your life of the everlasting arms. Isn't that beautiful? The eternal God is your refuge. God's your shield. God protects you. That's a refuge, a place where you can hide, a place where you can have protection and security. I mean, the waves can be crashing. The arrows can be flying. But God is a refuge, a place of hiding and protecting and a shielding from all those things that would try to afflict and try to offend and try to tear the child of God down. Not only is God our shield, but I love that. He also sustains us and he also steers us Underneath your life are the everlasting arms of God. The arms that hold the universe are the arms that hold you. Fear not and rest in those arms. Fear not and trust in those great arms. Fear not and recognize that underneath your life the arms of God sustain you and the arms of God steer you. They'll hold you up when life tries to put you down. They'll steer you and keep you straight when life tries to knock you off course and get you so disorientated you don't know if you know up from down or right from wrong. But oh, there is a God that says, my people fear not even when you don't know where we're going. Even when the winds are so fierce that you can't see your hand in front of your face. Know that underneath your life are the arms of the living God. The one that saved you is the one that keeps you and he will keep you up and he will keep you going and he will steer you in the right way. Somebody say amen. There's an unseen pilot and even sometimes whiteout. Back home whiteouts, man. You can't see. I mean, you can't see the front of your car. You're just hoping you can see someone's lights in front of you. Can't see a thing. Sometimes life hits you with them whiteouts. You can't see anything. But decisions still have to be made. Oh my. That next day on the calendar still comes. Isn't that right? And though you feel up, I could curl up, just me, chocolate chip cookies and a big glass of milk and just, you know, wait it out. Amen. Life don't let you wait everything out. Isn't that right? Wife doesn't say, I'm going to take a month off and just curl up and no, 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 no. Tomorrow's coming. But I, but I can't see and I can't feel and my, my navigator isn't navigating too good. Oh, my, 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 my. I feel like sometimes I see those pilots that go into the water and you get so down in the water, they don't know up from down. They get so deep down there, they got to wait. It's hard to wait when you're feeling stressed and pressured. It's hard to wait when, when your heart's beating real fast. And, 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 but, but if they don't wait, sometimes they start swimming with all their might but in the wrong direction. You get falling deep enough in the water, that pilot goes into the water. First thing, wait. Because if you wait enough, you'll get your bearings back. Because you'll begin to float to the top. And then you can know which way to go. But if you just freak out, as soon as things get scary, you can have a lot of energy, but use it in the wrong way. And some of them wind up, they're swimming the wrong way. But they're so scared. They think they're going up, but they're going down. But if you can just wait enough to get your bearings, if you can just wait enough for those everlasting arms just to kind of nudge you in the right direction, then things start. Then, yeah, amen. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. You see, sometimes the most important thing to do when the things are scariest is just pause. 
Wait. If you ever traveled a lot, sometimes you get traveling so much you don't know where you are. Amen. I, I walked into walls, man. I forget where I was. I thought I was home. I'm in Albuquerque. I'm walking into this thing. I'm telling you, I bopped my head. I'm going to knock myself out. Came home one time. Forgot I was finally home. Amen. Went to lean over to Trump. Bam, hit my head. I thought I would knock myself out. Lord. I'm telling you. The one thing you learn, it, it can be dark as dark, but one little bit of light can help everything come in. Just stop for a second. Underneath the door. You see that light? Okay. Just one little bit of light. And all of a sudden you can begin to navigate even in the darkness. When, when times come, I've got to remember, I've got an unseen pilot. I might have been knocked off course, but he's never knocked off course. I, I, might not be, I might be so messed up right now that I don't know whether I should be shouting or crying, whether I should be standing on this promise or running for my life because, you know, hell's around. I don't, but I can pause just long enough for the Lord to help me get my bearings. And those everlasting arms will begin to nudge me nudge me in the right way and begin to show me that glimmer of light home walk this way this is the way walk ye in it there's a storm and there's the steering aren't you glad jesus is steering your life come on say amen i mean i'm glad i don't got to do the steering amen i'm he's steering me in that i have hope they're steering and then there's the shipwreck shipwrecks come storm setbacks some things fall away some things that are not going to be reclaimed, at least not on this side of glory. Life is forced to endure some batterings of winds and waves. We take our toll. They take their toll. But you and I, number four, we're survivors. If you're hearing me today, it's because you survived something. If you're here today, it's because you've gone through something. You can't live in this life and not go through something. You can't go through this life and not weep some bitter tears and not say, oh God, why, oh God, why? That's not reality. Reality is we go through things in a fallen world. This world isn't fair, but God's still good. But we're survivors. And by the grace of God, we will keep on surviving. But as we recognize, we have an unseen pilot. And he's faithful to keep us. A survivor, you look at the last verse in chapter 27, and it says that those that could swim ashore, swam ashore. But the rest that couldn't swim, it says some of them had to grab onto boards, some on broken pieces. They did what they had to do, but they got there. Sometimes I don't even know how I got there, but by the grace of God, I got there. Amen. But I look back, I thought, man, I shouldn't have even got there. How did we live through that? They made it, and so did you. You're going to make it. Jesus said some precious words in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 39, the words of Jesus. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but I'll raise him up on the last day. How many know Jesus knows those that are his, and he don't lose a one of them? Come on, say Amen. It's not I that holds the rock. It's the rock that holds me. And in that I have trust. You and I have an unseen pilot, our Lord and our Savior, the King of glory. And he guarantees our survival. And that's why we can say, even in the hardest of times, we can speak Paul's words from 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9. 
You know, at times we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. At times we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. At times we are persecuted, but we're never abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. And I like to simplify that, so help us remember the illustration. Simple illustrations do us good. I know it does my little brain good. You know, back in the 70s, some of you were kids. Some of you were raising your kids. Some of you weren't even thought of. But anyway, back in the 70s, there was a toy called the Weeble. The Weeble, the Weeble. Amen? And, you know, the Weeble has something in common with the Christian. Because if you remember with the Weebles, Weebles wobble, but they don't. It was, man, you can hit them this way, they come back up. Hit them this way, they come back up. And the child of God is like that. Hey, hey, hell hits our family, but we get back up. Hell hits our finances, but we get back up. Hell hits our, our physical, we get back up. Come on, say amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. See, there, there's a bounce back ability to the child of God. Christians don't stay down, man. We get hit, yeah, we get buckled, but get back up. That grace of God, that Holy Spirit that's within us, that's an enduring spirit. It's an overcoming spirit. And it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and it raises us up every time hell attacks. Hallelujah. Thank God this morning for an unseen pilot guiding our lives, guaranteeing our survival. Giving us grace to live again, to build again, to sing again. Get back up again. Number one, there's an unseen pilot. Number two, there's an unusual preference. In verse two, it says the islanders showed them unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. That's favor. That's called favor. The favor of God is upon us. And the storm doesn't change that. Favor is God's kindness to regard favorably to prefer, to grant special privilege. The smile, the favor, the favoritism of God is upon his people. You see, the storm doesn't erase his smile. The storm doesn't erase his smile. And because you're a child of God, amen, abiding in his will, he looks upon you with greater preference than he does to the rest of his creation. The smile of God is upon the people of God. When he passes over, he sees the blood. He recognizes the seal of the Holy Spirit. He knows those that are his. God does have favor too. His children who walk with him, who seek first his kingdom, who honor his word and his name and his house. First Samuel said it's so precious, second chapter. He honors those that honor him. God says, if you honor me, I'm going to honor you. And that's called favor. That's called favor. And the Bible is full of scriptures about the favor of God. And they bless us because if you're a child of God, seeking first the kingdom of God, the favor of God is upon your life. God is your father, not just your creator. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And he sees the blood. And he recognizes his spirit. And his smile is upon you in different measure and in a different manner than those that are just his creatures. The favor of the Lord shields us. Psalm 5 and verse 12. Surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor like a shield. I love that. The favor of God shields us, surrounds us. And you know, the devil can't curse the one that God is blessing. Can you say amen? 
You remember that old, old false prophet in the Old Testament? Balaam. Remember, he had a donkey. Everybody remembers Balaam's donkey. Amen. He had a donkey. He tried to curse the people of God. He got paid good money to curse the people of God. And he was a noted false prophet that had demonic power, strong demonic power. But he went to curse the people of God. And he went to say, I curse you. And I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you. You're favored. You're glorified. You're kept by God. You're exalted by had to go back to the guy that was paying him the big bucks. He said, man, uh, i got to return your money. Hope you take a refund on your check. What happened? I went to curse him. Why didn't you curse him? I paid you to curse him. I tried to. But every time I went to curse him, I come out blessing. You can't curse who God's blessing. Oh, no. God's got the last say of who gets cursed and who gets blessed. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the old false prophet said, I'll try to curse them. But you know what? I found something out about this people. They're a different people. They're different than the other people of the world. They're different than other nations. How are they different? The Lord, their God, is in the midst of them. And the shout of a king is in their midst. The Lord, their God, is with them. And the shout of the king is in their midst. He says, when I try to curse them, they're not like other nations that I'm paid to curse. They're not like other people that I'm... I'm trying to get down. When I speak over their lives, it makes no difference what I say because the Lord, the living God, is with them. And there's a shout of a king in their midst. My Lord, there's the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah in their midst. Favor. Get a good night's sleep. You're favored. Don't get moved by everything you read and hear. You're favored. Keep seeking first that kingdom. Again, the psalmist said, Psalm 30 and 7, O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. The mountain was security and strength. Life tries to wear people down. We live in a burnout society. People always getting burned out. Forget burning out. I got river life flowing out of me. Remember that old song? Makes the lame to walk in the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Woo! Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come unto me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers. Living water. So let the world burn out. Let the world have to turn to to the drugs and all that. We don't need that. We got something greater than that. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We've been born from above. We are new creatures. We are children of the living God. And the favor of God gives us strength to endure and security to prevail. Oh, what a wonderful thrill it is to be a child of God. Psalm 44, the psalmist, he writes about, he says, victory didn't come from our hand. Victory didn't come by our own sword. We didn't take the land by our own wits. But it was by your strength. It was by your hand. It was because your smile was upon us. Your presence was with us and your favor was all over us. I am what I am by the grace of God. Thank God for the brains and I took the courses, but it's by the favor of the Lord the job came. It's by the favor of the Lord the promotion came. I did my part, but I recognize all my part, nothing, unless the smile of heaven is upon me.
Just try to live without the blessing. Go ahead, tell God, I'm going to live without your blessing. I dare you. You'd be calling us from the funny farm, man. They'd be calling. He cracked up. Of course you crack up. In him we live and breathe and have our... You were made by God and you were made for God. And apart from God, there is death, there is confusion, there is despair. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's time to live on. Time to rise up. Get a refocus. Get a new song. Get a new vision. Get a new burden. Amen. The storm is over. That storm was in 1985. It's over now, brother. It's a new day. Isn't that right? It's a new day. You got some new mountains to climb, some new devils to kill. Amen. Some new tasks to accomplish. I know you landed. I know the storm. Man, those storms aren't pretty. Amen. I mean, I, I, oh, they hit you. They, they merciless. All right. Didn't see it coming. Thought this and got hit with that. But that's over. And my unseen pilot led me safely to this shore. Don't know how I got here, but I got here in the will of God. So <laughs> time to rise up and walk on. Oh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I might go through some storms, take some blows and setbacks, but I'm still his child and I'm still favored by the Lord. There's an unseen pilot. There's an unusual preference. Now look at the unassuming preacher. The unassuming. Look at verse 3. Paul was shipwrecked. They hadn't eaten. They're all pretty much weary and tired. Really haven't had much nutrition. And the first thing we see from Paul, cold and tired, but he shows us the servant and the service. You know, the world goes through things and very often it's every man for himself, dog eat dog. What will happen to me if I give you? And they get selfish. But here we see in verse 3, number one, the servant. Paul is a great apostle, but the first thing we see him doing, he's serving. They just crashed. The only reason they're alive is because of Paul. Because God's servant had to get to God's place. And God in his mercy said, I'll give you everyone else. It's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful thought. But here he is, and the first thing you see Paul doing, he's going to get up and begin to serve. There's something important here. Don't, Don't miss something deep because it doesn't sound deep. He goes and gathers firewood. He sees the need and he acts after the shipwreck. Everything is... But he's not turning inward. He's turning outward. There's a humility. There's a Christ-likeness. Jesus taught us about servant leadership. About washing others' feet. And if we're going to lead, we become the servant of all. And there's a humility, not a haughtiness, to the servant of God. It's very important... After the storm, when you're trying to look at this and look at that that may have been crashed over and the storm has just really done a number on, do not turn inward, but keep giving out. Help someone else. Minister to someone else. You see, such faith and humility will cause the grace of God to increase and accelerate in your life. You know, even... People that counsel for a living will tell someone often that goes through a thing, find something positive to do with your life. Find someone else that you can help. Because again, the enemy will try to get us to turn inward. And then that bruise gets infected. 
And then that disappointment can just get worse and it, it fosters a pity, a depression, an isolation, a bitterness and anger. But the key that the Bible gives us in life is give and it shall be given unto you. So don't stop giving out even after the storm. Don't, don't become a different person, but continue to minister to others. Continue to give out. It, it protects you from that thing becoming infected and getting worse and almost paralyzing you. It protects you, but it also produces within you a release of the grace of God that really ministers and brings that healing into our life. Here's Paul. He could have said, listen, you guys do something. I'm the reason you're even saved. I'm the apostle. It was my God and my God's angel that gave us this great victory. But instead, first thing, Paul serving others. When you go through something, don't stop serving. When you go through something, don't just get inward. You spend the next 20 years dissecting yourself. It'll just foster infection in that area. But go minister to someone else. And as you give, it shall be given. As you show compassion to someone else, God's amazing grace will flow in a special way into your heart. The servant, and now the service, the service. He keeps the fire burning. Now, this is good. Keep the fire of faith burning. It's rainy, it's cold, all 276 just washed up on shore. And you know the world can be a cold place at times. Cold influences, cold attitudes. Watch out, the cold can take its toll. And typically that's a path that will lead people to spiritual, becoming a spiritual casualty. But it's important for you and I to remember, especially after the shipwreck, keep your fire burning. Temptation to turn inward and just get cool towards the things of God. Turn inward and get cool towards being with others and connecting with others. But keep your fire burning. Tend to your spiritual fire. Don't look to the wrong sources of comfort, of counsel, or courage, both personally and corporately. Keep your fire burning. Most people know the name John Maxwell. He's an author, and he writes a lot of leadership and self-help type books. His dad was a preacher, and he talks about his dad after mom had passed. Dad would spend some weeks with him in the summer, and he'd take dad's luggage up, and he'd get unpacked in the guest room, and he said, Dad, is a retired preacher, been a successful shepherd all of his life, and he'd open up, and there was books. You know, he's, he's in his mid-80s, and he's still reading books on attitude. And he said, Dad, come on, you're, you're 80, whatever. You still got to read books on attitude? What do you, you know, what, what, come on, well, why, why do you, you know, you don't have to re- preach three times a week anymore. What do you, why don't you read something? He said, John, I read these books because my attitude does not run on automatic. I've got to feed and monitor it. Because John, listen, I'm responsible for my attitude. We're all responsible for our own attitude, aren't we? Same way, I'm responsible for my spiritual attitude, my spiritual condition. And especially when I go through a challenging season, I must make the faithful effort to guard my heart and to keep my spiritual fire burning. I've got to make the effort. I'm responsible to keep praying, keep feeding on God's word, keep attending God's house, keep fellowshipping with God's people. I've got to watch my weariness. I've got to watch my woundedness. Don't let those things get infected. Don't let those things take over. 
I've got to keep giving out and keep looking up and keep taking in. I've got to keep giving out. That's the key. I've got to keep loving others. I can't get inward. I can't let this thing paralysis. I can't let it get infected. I've got to keep serving others. Because if I serve others, God will minister to me. And I've got to keep looking up, not just in prayer, belly aching and giving God all my problems, but look up and give Him praise through the tears and through the heartache. I'm going to praise Him in the good times and praise Him in the bad. I'm going to lift Him up and all, oh God. And I'm also going to, oh Lord, I'm going to keep taking it in. Get somewhere where you can get some good news. Get somewhere where your faith can be fed. Get somewhere where there's something going to encourage you and lift you up and bless you. Don't go back to the naysayers. Don't go to Job's counselor somewhere. Amen. Don't go listening to the world. No, no, forget what the world has to say. But get with the family and people of God where there's the word of God that will lift you up and encourage you and inspire you to live again. Personally, I have to do that. And corporately. As the people of God, friends, we must do, we must all do our part to keep the fire of the Lord burning bright here at Pleasant Grove. Lives sometimes get washed up upon our shores. Or we go through a storm, feel like we've been shipwrecked and we've been battered and we've lost some cargo and some things because we've been driven by life and its unfairness, battered by the waves. We help people the best we can. But we know that in ourselves, we are very limited as human beings. And our hope is that for every person that walks through these doors, whether they be a visitor, whether they be a faithful, been coming here for 80 years, our hope is that once they're here, they'll encounter something more than just nice people, as nice as that is. Good music, as good as that is, and enthusiastic preaching, whatever that is. (laughs) But our hope is that when they come in these doors, beyond all those things, they will find a very real fire of God's presence, the precious Holy Spirit that will touch them and speak to them and minister to them. Because in ourselves we're so limited. But oh, the living God by His Holy Spirit, He mends broken hearts. He comforts troubled minds. He gives wisdom to those that are confused. He lifts up the falling. He imparts a divine life that heals people and strengthens people. He's able to break the yoke of oppression. He's able to impart a divine life that will heal the hurt and mend the curse and lift a person up and make them brand new. He is still the resurrection and the life. And Jesus Christ will still, He'll resurrect that marriage. He'll resurrect that relationship. He'll resurrect that area of the psyche. He is able and He is willing. We gather in the name of the Lord. We come to church. Oh, Holy Spirit, touch us. Holy Spirit, speak to us, minister to us. Again, the Bible uses fire as a metaphor, as an illustration for the ministering and working of the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses oil, wind, water to help you and I understand how the Holy Spirit desires to operate and function. God gives us these symbols so we can better understand Him. And one of the illustrations, fire. That's why the Bible says don't quench the fire. Don't put it out. Stir it up, man. Stir it up. Amen? Fan it into flame. Amen? What What does fire do? Well, fire does bring warmth. 
People are getting cold. They're going to freeze to death. That warmth makes them alive again. The warmth, Amen. You can go into a dead place and just fall asleep. Go in a dead place and you, you were dead when you came. You'd be deader when you leave. Amen. But there's other places where the spirit of God is and something starts waking you up. Something starts speaking to you. Something starts moving within you. The fire waking you up. It brings warmth. It brings illumination. Light that candle so you can see. Then walking in darkness but the Holy Spirit begins to show you the Bible and show you the word and the will of God. and You begin to understand things you didn't understand before been to recognize what life's all about as the Holy Spirit begins to open up the eyes of our hearts to know the Lord. Fire speaks of enthusiasm or passion. We say that person's on fire. They're enthusiastic. Amen? Whether they're, you know, I would remember old Mike Singletary playing middle linebacker, man, with passion, enthusiasm. I mean, look like a crazy man. Amen? And when we get full of the Holy Ghost, we're going to be on fire for Jesus. Amen? Enthusiastic and passionate of serving Him and praising Him and living for Him. What else does fire do? It purifies. Fire consumes things and purifies things. Cauterizes things. Fire. Fire empowers. Fire ignites. Fire sets ablaze. Let's keep the fire burning. In a pleasant grove. Let's do our part for ourselves and for others. That the presence of God will stay strong and moving in our midst. That lives will have fresh encounters with Jesus Christ. The lives will hear the word of God. The lives will be touched by the ministering power of God's grace like nothing else can do. When we come to church, let's everyone do our part to keep the blaze and the fire and the glory of God's spirit burning in our midst. Amen. Everybody come. Get ready to throw a stick on the fire. I mean, you pray for the services. You invite people. But when you come, let's have a log. Bring, bring, bring your own sticks so that the fire, we get a bonfire going. Amen. Forget this little toast of weenie fire. Let's get a bonfire going where the glory of God is. When you come, bring in a stick of praise. Amen. A stick of praise. That's important. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Amen with all that is within me. Let's praise his name. But the Bible says he inhabits, he comes down, he embraces the praise of his people. If the fire of God is going to move in our midst, there's got to be some praise. Come on, say amen. Bring the praise. Bring a stick of expectation, expectancy. Come believing God to move. Come expecting God to move. That's faith. Faith has an expectation. Faith is not wondering maybe, um, pass me not. For he ain't passing you. He'll pass you unless you stop him. Stop him! Expect him. Come expecting God to talk to you. Come with an attitude. If he don't talk to anyone else, God's going to talk to me on Sunday. Amen? If that preacher, he just lays a bomb. He just is terrible. The Lord will speak to me through the announcements. Come on, say amen. But come with an expectation. God is good. God is real. And I'm going to receive from God. Amen. He said, draw nigh unto me. And I will draw nigh unto you. Didn't he say that? Oh, get that fire blazing. Come on, bring that stick of joyful service. If you're serving the Lord, get ready. You know you get ready for Sunday service Saturday night. Someone say amen. amen. Didn't mean I'm going down that road, but it was too tempting. Come on. And especially if you're serving. I got to get in at a decent hour. I got to get rested. I got to be prepared. But someone's counting on me tomorrow. That might be the first time someone comes to that door. And I got to be ready to greet them with a warmth and a smile and a praise the Lord. Isn't that right? I know sometimes my class only has two kids in it, but this might be the day that it finally gets through to them. Or this might be a day where someone new comes. i got to be ready when I show up. Whew. Joyful service. Isn't that right? And even if you got to sleep with a coat hanger in your mouth, you're going to have a smile in the morning. 
smile, smile. Don't laugh. I had to practice smiling. I still don't do it a lot. My wife, you say, honey, you look so intense up there. I know you're not that intense, but you ought to see yourself up there. I got concentrate. This brain don't work too good. I got to concentrate. But it makes my face look mad. I'm not mad. I'm just trying to think. It takes a lot for some pea brains to think, man. I'm telling you. We're going to throw a stick on that fire. Joyful service. Oh, we're going to give our best when we show up. Amen? All that is within us. Glory be to God. How about a stick of a warm, welcoming spirit? That means we're going to love one another. So when you come, even if you don't know, I'm good to see you in God's house. God bless you. Good morning. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. Good to have you. Amen. You know, Psalm 133 talks how that anointing flows when there's unity among the brethren. Amen. And when you greet one another, there's a love God. I love you in the love of the Lord. Good to see you in church. Oh, God bless you. Uh, you know, just that warm welcome. People come in and feel, they don't feel like they're an outside. Just feel like you're, you're here. You come to worship the Lord, you're in the right place. I'm going to throw a log on the fire, you see. I'm going to throw a log of that ready, responsive heart. I'm ready to respond to the word. I'm going to come in ready. Holy Spirit, if you're going to speak, I'm going to respond. If you're going to, I'm going to believe. That's the attitude that attracts the presence of God. May this sanctuary forever roar and blaze with the fire of the Spirit of God. And may all of us contribute to the welcoming, warming, working of God's Spirit in our midst. You all remember Mr. Rogers? Anybody remember Mr. Rogers? He had a neighborhood, right? All right, Mr. Rogers. Well, you know, before he got into educational TV, he he thought he was going to be a preacher, and he went to seminary. I think it was a Presbyterian seminary. So he went to seminary. And and during the interview, he, he told this story. He said, years ago, my wife and I were worshiping in a little church with friends of ours. I think it was out in the country. He goes, we're on vacation. And he goes, I was in the middle of my homiletical course at the time. That, that, that's, um, that's preaching class, graduate level preaching class. They're sticklers. They're nitpicky. I mean, every little, you, I, 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 I fail. I mean, I just, you know, look at me. They tell you, you shouldn't have thrown that jacket off. Your tie's not straight enough. You're jumping too much here. Your hands are too... I said, I'm Italian. My hands are too, you know. Wow, they'd mark me off. I mean, they're sticklers. I mean, so it's one step here, two steps there. Dot your brow. I mean, just... He's in a graduate-level preaching class. And he said, now, during the sermon, Mr. Rogers, I was ticking off every mistake. I thought the preacher... And he, you can see him rolling his eyes here. He must have been 80 years old. This is what he's writing here. Was making. When this enduring, wearisome sermon finally ended, I turned to one of my friends intending to say something critical about the sermon. And I stopped myself when I saw tears running down her face. And she whispered to me, he said exactly what I needed to hear. See, that was a real awakening experience for me, Mr. Rogers went on to say. I was judging, and she was needing. And the Holy Spirit responded to need, not to judgment. One person was needy. you got to admit we're needy people. Lord, you got to talk to me. I myself, I'll mess up. Lord, I come. I need your grace. I don't want to live like the old rascal I used to be. I want to do things the right way. Help me, Lord. One person was needy and responsive. The other was critical and resistant. 
One was critiquing. The other was receiving. And one thing attracts and welcomes the Holy Spirit. One thing quenches and repels the Holy Spirit. Wow. Oh, my. I'm going to close up now. There's an unseen pilot. Unusual preference. The unassuming preacher. Number four, expect the unexpected problem. Expect the unexpected problem. You see, verses three and four, the enemy never rolls over quietly. You got to keep putting him in his place. Amen? Remember, you're a survivor, and God has more for you to do, but devils come out when the heat goes up. He's, he's getting the fire going, and that snake comes out, just like the devil. Isn't that right? You just start getting serious with God, pressing into God, doing things you never thought you'd do before. You're putting a while those insecurities, and you're just pressing in, giving God your all, and something comes up. Devils come out when the heat goes up. So shake it off. Press on. Shake that old snake off in the fire. Don't lose focus. The devil gets nervous when restoration begins. See, he was betting on that storm finishing you. He was hoping it would make you give up on God and give up on the call and give up on the burden and give up on wholehearted Christianity. After that unexpected problem, we have to remember the unfailing promise. You see, you didn't survive to see to get killed by a snake. Because of God's promise, see, the man of God had God's promise. The angel said, you will stand before Caesar. And if God says, I'm going to stand before Caesar, there's no snake that's going to take me out until I see Caesar. Isn't that right? And so as we begin to rebuild and that enemy tries to those sneak attacks, you know what I mean? It's when you let your guard down a little bit. You know, you finally, he'll try something else. Throw that old snake off in the fire and dare to say, I believe God. The Bible says we have many great and precious promises that belong to us as sons and daughters of God. Hang on to that promise of God. Believe that promise of God and continue to walk forward in God. Rebuild and restore and be revived and be the one God's called you to be. Oh, Lord, that's all. That's all. We close it down now. Lessons from Malta. Lessons from Malta. We're going to open the altars. If you need prayer, you would just like to come and pray. Please do. But I want someone to remember it's time. The storm's over. Time to rise up. Time to rebuild. It's time to be restored. It's time to renew that walk and that wholehearted devotion and passion for Jesus. And if you're here today and you're weary and you just need some refreshing, well, we're more than happy to pray with you that you can just wait on God for a little bit and get a renewal of strength so you can get back in there and get back on with the race. If you've been just kind of still a little numb from the storm and from the shipwreck as you wait in the presence of the Lord and just wait Don't be anxious and don't be hasty. He'll remind you of the word you need to stand on. He'll give you the mind of heaven for the right now so you'll know what to begin to speak and believe and how to act so you can get stepping again and building again. Amen? Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your grace we are survivors. We are survivors. And you have been our unseen pilot guiding and steering and keeping our lives all these years. We thank you, Lord, for your favor. 
We thank you, Lord, that the storm never erased your smile. Mm. We thank you, Lord. We make a promise today that we will stay faithful in our service. We won't turn inward, but we'll keep giving out. We won't give up, but we will keep marching on as you lead us and you guide us. And now, Father, I pray as we come to this altar and we look to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, refresh your people. You know those that are weary. You know those that are feeling a bit exhausted in this fight of faith. Father, as they look to you, renew their strength, encourage their hearts. Give them a fresh promise to stand upon, something that will energize them, something that will spark a fresh fire in their lives to press on and fight the fight of faith. Now, Father, may the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, may the power of your Spirit minister to each welcoming heart this morning. Every receptive person, that needs a fresh touch, that needs a fresh word. Father, in the name of Jesus, by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, please speak and minister to the people of God. You know, each one of us personally and intimately. Give us an in-season word that will refresh us. Give us that divine touch that will mend and strengthen and encourage us. Oh, God. Holy Spirit, talk to them. Touch them. Please, Lord, minister to each one of them in your sovereign and special way. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord. Let's welcome the Lord. Let's lift him up. And if you need prayer, just want to come and pray. Come and let's pray one for another.